Hi, everyone. Welcome to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast, the best way to keep up with the world of professional volleyball. Quick plug before we start, I just released a new YouTube video, the top prospects coming up in the world of volleyball. So go to my YouTube channel, 5-1 Volleyball, if you haven't seen it yet. I know top prospects is a topic that a lot of you are interested in, the kind of next exciting big players in the world of volleyball. So hope you guys enjoy that. Today I'll be answering some of the questions that you guys asked in my Instagram story. I think it was uh, two weeks ago, October 24th. So I'll answer those today and then also go over some of the games that watched this weekend and just some of the news and stats and things from around the league. So hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Quick news before we get too far into the questions. COVID is looking a little better in Poland, at least among the teams. I mean, it's, it's only because of kind of all of them have had it already, but hopefully we'll get moving in the Plus Liga a bit more going forward. However, at the same time, it's starting to hit a lot of the Italian teams as well. It looks like Verona, Morena, Trentino, all getting hit, as well as Ravenna. So yeah, not looking great in the Italian Super League for COVID. We knew this was going to happen, though. Unfortunately, it's just inevitable if you're running a league without a super strict NBA-style bubble that cases are going to happen. So hopefully they deal with it safely and we don't miss too many games here. One league that is pretty safe right now is the Korean V-League. And I'm just going to go over uh, this player who I hadn't really heard of before, to be honest. I looked at the kind of the foreign players for, uh, for Korea, but I didn't recognize this guy. And his name is Namori Kita, who scored 54 points in a Korean League game. Now, obviously, that was on like 80-something sets. And yeah, he was just getting fed every single ball. But that's still incredibly impressive. The level of Korean League is not like super high. It's not one of the strong European leagues. But it's not nothing either. And the fact that he's 19 and he's uh, from Mali as well. So generally not a huge volleyball talent producing country. So... Maybe a guy to keep your eye on in the next few years. I don't expect him to come to Europe again too soon. I think, you know, he's going to take the Korean money, the Korean life for a couple more years. But watch out for this guy after that. Could be a uh, dangerous new addition to the Italian, Polish, or Russian league. And in the one highlight that's going around is really cool. He kind of does a uh, 360 attack, but he actually hits it with a lot of power. So very impressive athleticism and not bad skill for a 19-year-old as well. But let's get into some questions here. First one, Will Thought asks, do you think Rabenikov is overrated as a serve receiver at the highest level? Um, I mean, maybe, I guess, if, if you're considering him like the best serve receiver in the world. I don't think he is. I think Eric Shoji and Pavel Zatorski and probably Massimo Kalachi as well are better. I think he's for sure the best defender in the world and also an extremely strong serve receiver. So it's not like he's some average serve receiver. He's still really good. But yeah, maybe if, if you think he's like by far the best guy, then he is probably a bit overrated. I mean, maybe even <laughs> could argue Irvin Engapet is the better serve receiver on the French national team. Johnny Morgan asks, do you think it is easier for beach players to transition to indoor or vice versa? I mean, it's a bit of a tricky question because... I feel like not many beach players, like strictly beach players, ever go indoor. I don't think we've ever seen a guy spend the first part of his career on the beach and then go indoor. We've we've seen a lot of cases of the opposite where people play 
you know, a few pro seasons overseas. Maggie Kozic is probably the best example of that recently on the women's side. Reed Pretty probably, he tried to do it, but it probably left it a little too late in his career. Yeah, so I would say definitely it's easier to transition from indoor to beach than vice versa. I mean, there's other reasons why beach players don't come indoors, but yeah, just never seen it really. So I, I don't think it's that easy or else someone would have done it. Pizza Tartu asks, how do you deal with having less volleyball to play during the pandemic? I haven't really played tons of volleyball recently because I also moved, did a huge move to a different continent right before the pandemic. But uh, I would say you just use this opportunity to hit the weight room, deal with any nagging injuries, uh, get your body right. Maybe not as useful advice for the young the young listeners out there, but yeah, this is probably a good opportunity to really work on your strength and conditioning. Aaron Friedel asks, Bednors or Kubiak starting for Poland, especially regarding Bednors' feud? I would say Kubiak is going to be the starter. Kubiak and Leon for sure. I really, obviously, Bednors has had an incredible couple of seasons or season in a bit here, but Kubiak is is the emotional leader on this team. Every Everyone on the Polish national team will tell you, Hayden included, that Kubiak is just the rock that everyone looks up to him for sure. He's who they all play around, get their energy from. Yeah, okay, maybe you could argue Ben Norrish is maybe a better player overall, but A, the track record is probably more in Kubiak's favor. It's only very recently that Ben Norrish has been playing like this. Also, I think Poland already has enough serving and attacking where Ben Norrish is going to help you the most and blocking as well and probably need a bit more uh, serve-receive, back row attack, and uh, defense where Kubiak is, is the much better player. So I would still definitely say Kubiak. Kazi1504 asks, how do you receive a fast float serve? I mean, I'm not a coach. I'm not definitely not even the best player doing this kind of thing. So I would first of all ask ask a real volleyball coach. But for me, I would just got to work on tracking the ball all the way into your platform. And then, I mean, I just try and pass with my hands if I can. But yeah, if you're passing with the platform, track. remember to track it all the way in. And, and yeah, sometimes you have to make adjustments right before. Ali Reza79AB asks, who is better, Grozer? Zaitsev, Mikhailov, and Kirek. Right now, I'd probably rank these guys one, Mikhailov, two, Zaitsev, three, Kirek, four, Grozier, with Mikhailov and Zaitsev kind of being in a, in a higher tier than, than the next two guys. Mia Isabel B asks, any predictions for Tokyo 2021? Or if not, were there any before it was postponed? For Tokyo 2021, I think Poland comes in as the favorite if I had to pick one. But I would also put Brazil, USA, and Russia kind of all in this, all in the mix there. All of those guys are contenders for medals. But don't worry, I'll definitely be doing a lot more in-depth Tokyo 2021 previews before the event. Our St. Clair one asks, who are the best English-speaking volleyball commentators in the game right now? I mean, obviously, Rob St. Clair is the number one commentator. Check out some VLA matches if you want some premium quality commentary. Got a shout out Louis Led as well, doing his thing. Very good commentator as well. And then the classics, Kevin Barnett, Paul Durdan, all those guys, really good commentators as well. Jeff ABC 18 asks, how is Shawan looking in Perugia? I mean, I would love to say he's killing it. He's, you know, leading the league in scoring in Atanasevich's absence, but hasn't been too great of a start for him so far. Teister Horst is actually starting it opposite over him, which is doubly not good because it's not his natural position. He's usually an outside hitter. So, yeah. Um, 
Schwan, I mean, he looked okay when he was playing. I think it was maybe a bit of an early benching, but not looking great in Perugia thus far. But he's getting good coaching. That's what matters. Player with my favorite arm swing asks by Alex Sullivan. I mean, I love the Japanese guys. Pretty much all the Japanese players have really nice arm swings. Ishikawa, Nishida. But other than that, the player with an unorthodox arm swing that I like is Wallace from Brazil, the opposite. He has a really f cool approach, kind of the broad jump, and then I feel like he, he likes always reaching so far outside his body for the ball. Maybe not the best to replicate, but interesting to watch. Also like Victor Politaev, another very snappy arm swing. Church Ethan asks, with how Bardosh Bednorsh has been playing, do you think he makes the top 10 outsides list? I mean, you'll have to wait till I make the video, Church Ethan, but uh, he's going to be close. I'll put it that way. He's definitely on the bubble top 10 outside hitter right now, I think. MJ Does PR asks, what teams of any league have surprised you by outperforming, underperforming this season? Obvious one is probably Trentino, who is definitely taking a long time to put it together. Still believe in them, but they've for sure had a rough start to this season. Another one in Italy is Vibo Valencia have definitely outperformed. I mean, I, I feel like the rosters always look good on paper and then underperform when it comes to the match, but I think they did a really good thing by trying to keep a lot of their core together from last season to this season, like TJ DeFalco, Barthelemy, Chininez, kind of keep some younger guys that they thought were going to get better, and they did get better. And it's paid off this season. They're doing well. They brought in a nice veteran guy in Thibaut Rossard, who I think is a much better fit in Viva Valencia, kind of being the center of that offense than he was last year in Turkey. So that's been nice for them. And then uh, another team that's outperforming is Zavierci in the Polish Plus Liga. If you listen to my preview podcast, I was actually kind of down with them. I didn't like some of the moves they made this offseason, but they are sitting at 4-1. and one. Nice stat total so far. They've been not able to play for a little while. To be honest, I don't expect them to finish in the top six or so. Maybe they could still make the playoffs, but nice to have this hot start to the season and definitely outperforming, I think, their talent level so far. Logan Mueller asks, besides Perugia, which team has the best odds versus Lube and what's their game plan to win? So I still think despite um, their underperformance, I think Trentino's definitely still a threat to beat to Lube. I think they have serving on their side. I mean, their game plan to win is Namir serving seven or eight aces. I think they need to pick on Yoandi Leal, which has actually become a lot harder recently. I think Yoandi Leal has really improved his passing. I think they need to, they're one of the only teams that can compete in the middle with Lube, with uh, Sereko Lizinac and Marco Podrashanen. So, yeah, I think that's their game plan. They have a few big blockers with Namir and Giannelli and, and those two Serbians. So, I think they match up okay with Lube, to be honest. Declan Minili asks, who's an underrated player that doesn't get enough attention? Oh, that's a really, really great question, Declan. I would say Arter Udris, uh, opposite from Belarus, huge guy, I think just about seven feet tall. And ever since he came back from his stint in uh, Asia, he's played on some really good teams, Fekel Nova Urngoy, uh, Versava, and then Tour. So, yeah, and he's done a really good job, been the focal point of their offenses, uh, doing it fairly efficiently as well. You know, hits a really heavy, really high ball. Great blocker. So I think uh, strong server as well. So I think just because he plays for the Belarus national team and doesn't get a ton of exposure there, I think people, and, and maybe he's not playing for the absolutely elite clubs. It's kind of the second tier. But they're still really good clubs, and he's still a really big part of their offense. So 
I don't really ever hear people talking about him, but he, he's a very good player. Leo Paul Rousseau asks, what do you think of Paulo Poro, the setter for the U20 national Italian team in Modena? I've watched, I watched a lot of that U20 uh, European championship, so I got to watch him there. He's obviously got really incredible hands, good defender, undersized, though obviously at only uh, six foot tall. Honestly, as a prospect, I don't know if I like him as much as Riccardo Spertoli, who's just a few years older than him. Also a short Italian setter, but if you're a short setter, you need to have the hops and you need to have the serve. And I don't know if Poro has those. I mean, we'll see. Maybe uh, if Mateus Sanchez uh, is able to play really well. He doesn't have either of those, and he's, his hands are just so incredible that he's just still able to play at a high level. Maybe Poro will get there. I don't think it's a given so far, though. Sondra Finn asks, who do you think are the top five male prospects right now? Well, like I said at the beginning, go check out the YouTube video. You can uh, find my answer. Ura VG Plyer asks, did you play club? If so, where? Yes, I did play club back in the day for Interclub and a club called Toronto Elements. I played in the uh, GTA. So I don't know if either of those clubs exist right now. I'm actually almost sure they don't. But uh, yeah, good times playing club volleyball. If you guys aren't club players in North America, I highly recommend it. Jackson Bear asks, for YouTube, you should make a weekly sports center style video. It's a good idea. However, there's issues with the rights, who holds the rights to a lot of clips. So it's tough to just uh, post highlight clips on YouTube. I know a lot of people do do it, but um, it's technically not legal and you can easily get demonetized or um, they can copyright strike your entire channel. You can make no money from it. There's a lot of things, but I like the idea. And maybe use it for the CV. Gray Discourage asks, who's winning the Champions League this season? I think it's going to be Perugia on the men's side and Vakif Bank on the women's side. And I think I'm more confident with my women's prediction than my men's prediction. Vakif Bank looked really good at the end of last year. And a lot of the other top teams, I think, are a little bit weaker. Another question I got is, why is Piacenza performing so poorly, even if they have very big names in their roster? Well, the first thing you have to consider is that it's still the start of the season. Still a lot of volleyball left to play, and it's often really tough for a team to come together really quickly like this when it's basically an entirely new roster. And I would say just wait, because, I mean, I think they've done better since you posted this. They're sitting at 4-4 four and four right now sixth place in the league with 12 points so they're definitely climbing up the table they're gonna have michelle baranovic soon replacing riddle hirazulo which i think will shore up their setting a little bit because hirazulo has been like a one of the bigger reasons why they haven't been playing well so far and i think one of the other issues with piacenza is that they have really great players but also a lot of their top players are inconsistent i would say grosier is definitely going to give you a few stinkers occasionally uh, Aaron Russell, same thing, pretty injury prone. Um, Going to need to sit out a game here or there. You know, he's a little more consistent than Grozier at this at each stage in their career. And then Trevor Cleveno as well can also, maybe not inconsistent is the right word, but he can be really quiet at times. He, he doesn't have the ability to take over games if the other two guys aren't playing consistently. Micah Skinner asks, predictions on who will top each stats category in the Super League? I think, or the Italian Super League, sorry, to be more specific, 
I think Adas Lagumzija is going to lead the league in points. I think Wilfredo Leon is going to lead the league in aces. Who with the blocks? I'm, I, I like those two picks. I mean, Namir is definitely a threat for points and aces as well. But right now, I'm going to go with Max Holtz, who's a guy who already has quite a few blocks near the top of the league, is going to get a lot of opportunities. His, uh, he has a few hitters on his team that maybe aren't the most efficient, devastating hitters like on Lube Perugia. He'll get his opportunities, and I think he's going to see the court basically the entire season. So Max Holtz leading the league in blocks. You heard it here first. It's Brady B asks, who has the weirdest lineup or system in the pros right now? I mean, the unfortunate thing about volleyball is that at the highest level is that pretty much everyone runs a very similar system and lineup. I don't think there's a single like club that doesn't run a 5-1 at the highest level. But I would say right now a team that's a little different is maybe a top volley Sisterna, who they've, they've had some injuries, they've had some players playing poorly. But I've seen some weird lineups for them where Arthur Schwartz, who's usually a middle blocker with the Canadian national team, has played opposite for them for a lot of the season. But a lot of times he'll kind of switch back and forth between opposite and middle blocker during the game. They've had moments where they've had uh, four-person reception lineups with Kevin Tilly and Oreste Cavuto playing, like hitting from position two and passing. So yeah, they've had some weird lineup stuff to deal with this year. So I would say out of the teams I've watched this year so far, they're probably the weirdest one. Apech Pack asks, what would be the size of impact on volleyball if a professional league was in North America? I mean, hmm. It depends really on, on how good the league would be, the salaries they're paying, how long the season would be, a lot of these things. I think it would take some pretty decently serious salaries to convince the uh, national team A guys to come over to North America I mean, probably a lot of um, B, C, D tier American players playing overseas would probably come back for not a huge amount of money. But I think if you want to have a successful North American professional league, I think you need to convince the top tier of guys. Yeah, which means you need to you need to have quite a bit of investment into the league initially or grow it like a couple of the leagues are trying to do right now. But your question was, what was the size of impact would be? I mean, yeah, if if the if they were paying pretty well, I mean, you'd probably see a lot of European players come over to North America as well to play. If it was something like the NBA where all the best players in the world were playing in one league instead of being split up between like three to five or six leagues, I mean, that would be incredible for volleyball. It would be, be the best TV product by far that we have in volleyball. be really interesting to watch. I think it would be huge for the sport, but uh, I don't see that happening anytime in the near future it'll probably if it does one of the leagues that's going on right now ends up being more successful or a new league is started what will probably happen is that a lot of the north americans will come back but it just won't be attractive enough for the europeans so there's still going to be a, a big talent gap in the league last question eric von delsteidel asks who's the best all-arounder besides matt anderson Probably uh, Irvin Engapet, I would say. Doesn't really have any holes to his game. Good attacker, blocker, back row attacker, floor defender, setter, server. Yeah, I would say Irvin Engapet does not have a lot of weaknesses. Other than that, maybe uh, another American guy, Taylor Sander, doesn't really, is a great server, serve receiver, attacker, blocker. 
Um, can set the second ball as well. Good defender. Yeah, so pro uh, maybe Taylor Sanders' defense isn't incredible, but but yeah, for uh, for the stereotype of Americans not having good ball skills, they do produce a lot of guys who can play every element of volleyball. So that's all the questions. Thank you guys once again for sending them in. Some interesting ones there for sure. Now I'm going to talk a bit about some of the games that I watched this weekend and some of the results from the professional leagues. So in Italy, we only had four games this week. Lube beat Modena 3-0, although that game is closer than the score appeared. Piacenza beat Padova 3-1. Good on Padova for getting a set. Trentino beat Cisterna 3-1. Namir Delaziz, once again, incredible. And the most surprising result of the night, Viva Valencia beating Monza 3-1. So why don't we start there? TJ DeFalco ended up getting the MVP here, which is great for him because he has been struggling a bit recently. He got subbed out last game for Victor Cardoso. Didn't play at all this game. DeFalco with four pretty clutch aces in this one to help seal the deal. On the other side of the net, we saw Addis Lagumzija struggle, hitting eight for 31. We've seen this kind of like once every three games, he's going to have a game like this. Also got blocked three times, three unforced attacking errors. So pretty horrible game for him. And surprisingly, Filippo Lanza doing a great job for Monza once again, hitting 19 for 34, passing the ball really well out there, which like I've never put Lanza's passing ability into doubt, but it, like he's attacking like he's playing on the Italian national team. So it's pretty good to see. I don't know if they could expect to have a game like this from Lanza every game. And I think, uh, honestly, I think one of the main reasons I don't like Monza right now is Santiago Orduna, I think, is one of the worst setters starting in Italy right now. I think he's doing a bit of a disservice to the attackers on this team. He hasn't really found a good connection with a lot of them. I mentioned earlier that Zavaronic is not really hitting that efficiently. And the more I watch Monza, the more I kind of want to blame Santiago Orduna a bit. Um, definitely not their only issue on this team, but if I were rebuilding this team from scratch, he'd probably be the first guy I switch out, especially because he's a foreigner. Yeah, I feel like there's better foreign setters out there for sure that would have been available. Also, Bartholomew Chininez, the French middle blocker, is just automatic. If you have any decent kind of in-system set, he is just really good. He's actually a really skilled attacker. Like He's really good at finding the back line of the court, really find, good at finding that like over the middle block, pass the defender in six, like ping the back line. That's a really hard shot to hit. Usually guys don't develop it at this stage in this career. Probably most middle blockers never develop it. They just uh, go for the power kill every time. So yeah, Chin and Yez starting middle blocker for France this summer. I've already said that before, but definitely the more I watch, the more I'm convinced. The other game I want to talk about is Modena versus Lube. A matchup that last year probably would have been like one of the most hyped matches of the entire year. A little less exciting this year. Yoandi Liao, MVP in this one, hitting 11 for 17. So really efficient game. Actually, Lube as a team hit 46 for 74, 62%. And actually, Modena, despite losing 3 0, hit 45 for 79, 57%. So something which I, I think we've seen with a lot of the top teams recently in these kind of top team versus top team duels. They tend to be really efficient on both sides of the ball. I think right now offense is definitely 
beating, blocking, and back row defense in volleyball. And a game like this is really evident with these two incredible setters just tearing apart each other's defenses. But Lube just a little better with the serving. Four aces in the blocking, eight blocks. Um, thanks to Simone Anzani, who three blocks in this one, but he's actually leading the entire league in blocks per set at the moment. Another interesting thing for me in this one is just how much Michael Christensen trusts Moritz Karlitzek already. I mean, I should, I'm a huge Moritz Karlitzek fan. I, I've watched him a lot in Frankfurt a couple of years ago. I said he's one of the most like exciting prospects in a podcast before. So huge Moritz Karlitzek fan, but uh, I didn't expect him to look this good, especially on the offensive side of the ball already. I mean, now I think Andrea Gianni's kicking himself for not starting him or playing him more during Euro Volley and uh, Germany's Olympic qualifiers. I mean, he definitely looks better than Caliberta does right now. So yeah. Moritz Kolitsek, I expected him to be uh, good on serve receive, good server, but he's impressed me a lot more in attack than I thought. And you can tell that Christensen just has no problem feeding him out of system balls, going to him in the back row. So good to see that connection running. And this, like I said, this game is closer than it appeared. Actually, Modena was looking like they had a good chance of taking the second set. But Yoandi Leal, one of the reasons he was voted MVP is that he went on this really great serving run kind of in the middle of the set. Just completely opened it up, which uh, I think 17 serves in the game for Yuandi Leal, which is the most out of any player. And I think you see that a lot with Perugia and Lube, where another team's playing them close, doing well for a lot of the set. And then uh, whichever server it is, Yuandi Leal, Robert Landy Simon, Osmani Wantarena, like somebody's going to get hot on a team like this with so many good servers. And then they just play a good side out game the rest of the game and take it home. I think that's worked out really well for Lube so far. Also like to see Paolo Poro, who I mentioned in the question section earlier, got in for a few serves during this game, got to set a few balls. So yeah, we didn't really get to see him block or do anything like this, play a full rotation, but he did come in, set a few balls, serve a few balls. And Simone Anzani trying a bit of a, uh, it almost looked like a Matej Biniak style hybrid. I don't remember how, if he's tried this before, or how long he's been trying this, but kind of the... Uh, two-handed toss and then he has the option to float it or put some pace on it so we'll see how that develops for Mr. Anzani in the Plus Liga Suvaki got beat by Zach Sekic and Kozil 3-0 another game that was closer than it appeared Suvaki had chances in the first and second set some interesting lineup decisions for Suvaki they were playing with subbing out the front row setter for an opposite and then the back row opposite for a setter. Kind of interesting to see that. Honestly, I didn't really like the move because Tuaniga, I think, uh, really is doing a good job running that team. I think you should try. And same with Bol Bar Bartholomew Bolage. I think he's their best opposite definitely as well. So really, you know, in my in my mind, a bad coaching decision for Suvaki. Their substitutes struggled and cost them some pretty important points throughout the game. For Zaksa, Lukas Kaczmarek, MVP, played really well. Had a clutch pair of aces at the third set when they were down 14-12 to give them the lead, and then eventually they won the set pretty handily. Also interesting that Lukas Kaczmarek is actually helping out a lot more than usually an opposite would in uh, spin serve receive. So it's interesting that they feel he's comfortable enough to take up actually a decent amount of court on a lot of those receptions. So... Uh, I like Lukas Kaczmarek, maybe a uh, future as an outside hitter as well, not just opposite. It was a really bad series of games for uh, Versava. They lost to Gdansk, then they lost to Radom, 
and then they lost to Gdansk again in five sets. So if you didn't know, in the Palouse League, they're trying to just play pretty much every game they can because they don't know when and how they can play the games due to COVID restrictions and COVID infections within the teams. So a lot of times they're just playing twice in a row, and that was the case here. But uh, yeah, Versava losing to two teams that I think they're definitely comfortably better than, especially uh, Radome. I did not see beating uh, Versava, and it wasn't really even that close. So I don't know if they're really missing Antoine Broussard that much. We know they don't really have a good person to play at opposite. We've seen some Superlack. We've seen some Zabrowski, but no one. And we've seen some Jan Kroll, but none of them have really established themselves as like a starting quality opposite, really, to be honest, in the Polish Super League. And certainly not a player that is of the caliber of guys on the rest of the team, like Andrzej Vrona, Bartosz Folek, Angel Trinidad even. So, yeah, Damian Wojtaszek. So rough, rough stretch of games for sure for Versava. I do think they can bounce back, though. Although, it's going to be a rough season between Plus Liga and Champions League if they keep playing like this. Gdansk played a lot of volleyball <laughs> this week. They also played Yastrebshi Vigil, which was a really fun game. Yuri Gladier, the Ukrainian middle blocker, winning MVP in this one. 14 points on 7 for 8 hitting, 5 blocks and 4 aces. So yeah, middle blockers don't get the MVP a lot, but in this case it was a very, very easy decision. Gladier, really funny player to watch, just, you know, getting hyped all game, making funny faces all over the court. I mean, the uh, Gdansk middle blockers really had no chance against him. He was just wrapping him up, reading them. I feel like um, Marcin Janis just was not comfortable going to his middles at all just because Gladier was such a force of the net. Even Pablo Crer, who usually has big games uh, so far in the Polish Plus Liga, was a, not that big a factor in this one. Marius Vlajli was really struggling for Gdansk in this one seven for 24 three blocked attacks four unforced errors yeah he was not looking comfortable out there I think for a player at his age it's really tough to play this level of games or this many games in a short amount of time if you want to have some excuses but I, I mean I said before the season he's still capable of playing at a high level which we've seen in a few games this season but uh, it's not going to be consistent and I think the bad games are going to outweigh the good ones, to be honest, but we'll see. Gdansk is a decent team. They're kind of fun. It's nice having a legend like Marius Vlajli not stuck on the bench in Skra. It's nice actually seeing him play. But, I mean, still overall a very good week for Gdansk with the two wins against Vrsava, leaping them in the standings. They're at 5-4, and four, 13 points in third place now. Yastrebshi with the win now 6-1, and one, so looking very good for them. Uh, 17 points in the standings. And we are still waiting in on a lot of Plus Liga games to be played. So there's still definitely some movements, a lot of movement going to happen in the Plus Liga standings. We have an exciting one happening soon with Yastrebshi Vejil versus Radom. See if the Radom kind of dominance can continue. See if, if Brendan Sander can have another 20-point game like he did against Lubin the other day. He's actually the uh, highest scoring Sander brother in the Plus Liga this season because we still have not seen any Taylor Sander, although there was a bit of an update that he actually went to Italy to undergo rehab and he's going to start practicing with the team soon. And I think they said he technically could play, but they're just being ex extra, extra precautious because they're doing fine in the standings in the Plus Liga. They don't really need him. Milan Kadic is serviceable so far. And they just really want him for that playoff push. It's too bad because we do want to see him play. 
but I definitely, definitely understand the caution right now. So performance of the week is easy one this week. It's going to go to the opposite from Mali, Nomori Kita, with 54 points in the South Korean Men's Volleyball League. I mean, obviously, very inflated playing in the Korean League, probably the most inflated points league in the world. Also getting a lot of sets, but still 19 years old, 54 points, very impressive from the youngster. And I hope we get to see more of him in Europe sooner rather than later. I really hope he makes the jump over from Asia. I don't expect him too soon, but the Korean V-League pays pretty well, so I don't blame him for wanting to stay there. So hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. We have our last Pool of Champions League happening next week. Probably Yastrzemski Vigil is going to easily take it, but we'll see. Unfortunately, it looks like we might have a few Italian League games canceled, but hopefully some... Polish and Russian games will be played to make up for it. So hope you guys watch lots of volleyball this week and make sure to tell your friends about the podcast, watch the YouTube video, all that good stuff. See you.